I want to ask you, what is your biggest fear? Okay, this is, you know, Halloween weekend, so we're talking about scary things. Uh, that's that's kind of the, the talk right now. I know Netflix has been doing this big thing with all the scary movies, and I've got a friend who lives in Chicago who um, makes this commitment of 30 days of horror films in, in Halloween, or in October, and so he shares all the different ones, and, and so it's kind of fun. But, but I'm just curious, you know, it, what is your biggest fear? Why don't you turn to your neighbor and tell them, this is my biggest fear. Go ahead and tell them. Let's see what it is. All right. Any good ones? <laughs> any ones I need to know about? No. Okay. Who's, who here is afraid of spiders? Like that just, yeah. Okay. No. What? Webs. You're afraid of webs? You're like, you're like the scariest guy I know, Joe, and you're scared of spider webs? <laughs> uh, they are nasty. I mean, that, that's true. A anybody afraid of clowns? Yeah, I mean, now that Stephen King is out with it, yeah, no, it's weird. Whoever thought that was great for kids. Um, what about, uh, what, what else? Tell me something. What is, what's everybody afraid of? What's that? Public speaking. Okay, yeah, it's talking in front of other people. <laughs> Let's just bring everybody up front. No, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, we, we all have fears, don't we? I mean, we got some big ones, all the phobias and stuff. Did you know that you are only born with two innate fears, right? The, the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises that startle. Uh, those are the only two that you're actually born with. Everything else is learned. It's developed over time. And so all of these fears that you have, you've learned them. Now, some of you have learned them from experiences that scared the heebie-jeebies out of you, right? I mean, that's just the way it happens. And so you realize the spider jumps out at you, it scares you, it startles you. And so you then, you know, are scared of them. I, I understand that. But it's interesting to me that, that we have all of these fears. And, and yet, there's really only two that, that we were born with. The rest we developed over time. And, and I'm, I'm talking about this because in our text today, we're, we're in the middle of this series that we're calling Signs. And, and it's, it's the seven miracles that John records in, in his account of the gospel. And, and he, he records all these different ones. And there's, you know, he says, there are tons more that I could have talked about, but these are the seven that he chose. And, and in this one, we find the disciples terrified, scared to death. And so I thought it was appropriate to, to start with this today, to say, okay, what does it look like? What does a miracle look like? What does a sign from God look like when you're terrified? And, and what would that look like if Jesus were doing it? And we have an example of that. So in, in John chapter 6, uh, I'm just going to read the, the account. It's actually kind of brief, uh, what, what he does here, but, it, but it's an interesting uh, text. He says, that evening, John chapter 6, I'm starting in verse 16. Uh, that evening... His disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. But as darkness fell and Jesus still hadn't come back, they got into the boat and headed out across the lake toward Capernaum. Soon a gale swept down upon them as they rode, and the sea grew very rough. They were three or four miles out when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water toward the boat. They were terrified. But he called out to them, I'm here. Don't be afraid. Then they were eager to let him in. 
and immediately the boat arrived at their destination. Now, this account is, is actually recorded in Matthew as well as Mark, uh, and then, of course, the John passage that we just read. And, and Matthew and Mark expand just a little bit on it. They, they you know, give a few more details, take it from different angles, uh, and, and you know, because Matthew is where we, we see Peter you know, saying, Jesus, if it's really you, ask me to step out. And so Peter walks on the water, and we, over the summer we uh, actually did an entire series on, on that passage, so we won't go into that aspect of it. But, but there's, that's one aspect of it that we heard. And, and Matthew says, rather than saying they you know, like immediately arrived at their destination, he says that, as, and Mark says this too, as soon as Jesus got in the boat, the storm stopped. Right? He calmed the storm uh, at that same time. And, and so we see this, this miracle that there's all these things happening. And, and to set it up, you know, in John especially, we read, he had just fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. And we talked about that last week. We said, what does that look like? Why, why, would this, why was this significant? Uh, and we didn't even go into some of the details, like the fact that Caesar right? The ruler of the Roman Empire had talked about how he would feed the masses with very little and he would be the one who would feed them. And, and that's why he was the Caesar, the son of God, right? And, and Jesus then comes around and does this miraculous thing where he feeds the masses, right? With very little because he is the son of God. And the people see this, and this is why it says in, in one of the accounts that, that the people wanted to make him king, and we read, and John later after the miracle, it says the people, they were like, whoa, this is the Messiah. We got to make him king right now. And they were going to force the issue. And Jesus knew that timing wasn't right. This wasn't when this was supposed to happen. And so it says he sent his disciples down to the boats to go across and he dismissed the crowd and then went up into the mountains to pray. And, and I think that Jesus did this, honestly, because he knew the disciples couldn't handle. I mean, can you imagine if you've got... 15, 20,000 people, right? Wanting to make Jesus the Messiah, the king. Like all of a sudden, you've got more than a riot, okay? This is, this is a revolution ready to start. And you're one of the ones really close to Jesus. You might start believing the hype at that point, right? You might start getting into this crowd mentality, right? And you may just get going. And Jesus knew that he needed to kind of guard his disciples from this because they still weren't quite grasping everything. And so he sends them away, separates them from, from the crowds. And then he gets alone, probably to process, probably to spend some time with the father just saying, hey, help me understand this. I want to make sure we're doing everything, you know, as according to plan. And, and then they're out there. They're in the middle of the, of the lake. And the Sea of Galilee, just so you know, is about seven miles wide at this point. And so it says they were three or four miles out. So they were literally in the middle. Okay, they, they were three and a half miles from either shore. And, and, and so they're out there, and these are experienced sailors, right? I mean, these are fishermen, at least several of them, probably the ones who owned the boats on which they were traveling. They were fishermen. Okay, being, being in a storm, being in a windy condition, that wasn't new to them. And, and even being out on the water late at night wasn't new to these guys. I mean, we read of another time that Jesus uh, tells them to throw their nets on the other side, right? Because he had said, did you catch anything? And they said, no, we've been out all night fishing and haven't caught anything. So it, it was normal for them to be on the lake at night. And yet it says that the wind was blowing basically the wrong direction, right? They, 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 didn't, they couldn't 
couldn't make progress where they needed to go. And so they were rowing against the wind. And so they were struggling. And Jesus sees this. Have you ever felt like that Jesus has given you, that, that God has called you to a task that maybe you thought you could do, but then the going got, got tough? You know, you, you were, because Jesus said, guys, head on a cross. So they were obeying Jesus. And yet in the middle, at the deepest part of the lake, all of a sudden it gets hard. It's not outside of their ability, right? I mean, they're still on a boat and these are fishermen. They get it. They know what they're doing, but they're struggling. Have you ever been in a position like that where you feel like, you know what? I know God called me to do this, but this is hard. I don't know if I want to keep doing this. I'm struggling at this. This is difficult. Because that's the point at which we begin to see that Jesus shows up. That's where the disciples are. In the middle of this river or this lake. Struggling to do what Jesus told them to do. Wondering how they were going to get any further. And I think many of us have been at that place or maybe are at that place right now. Saying, what's next? Because I, I can't keep going. And so this leads me to some questions that I just want to ask, engage you guys today in, in these questions. And, and hopefully these questions are, are ones that you, you, know, begin to, you begin to learn how to ask these questions when you begin to read scripture. And, and you feel the freedom and, and the empowerment to ask questions of the text. I don't think you're going to scare God if you begin asking questions. If anything, I, I think he's going to embrace that and maybe challenge your thinking a little bit. Because when I read this, my first question is, why did Jesus wait until the fourth watch of the night to go out to them? Right? It's about 3 a.m. That's the darkest part of the night. And you've got to remember, they did not have, you know, lamps and all these other things that would light up a lake right? This was pre-electricity, okay? So it was dark. And if there were storm clouds, that means there's no moon, there's no stars. It is dark. And they are fighting against the wind. I mean, I got to ask, how in the world do they know they're going in the right direction? They are three and a half miles. They're in the middle. At that, from that perspective, to me, everything would look the same. And so they're struggling. And yet it says Jesus didn't go out to them until then, I mean, why? What was he? Did it just take him that long to dismiss the crowds? And then did he kind of get lost praying, right? He get, get up in the mountains and he just kind of got into that zone and he lost track of time? Do, do, do you think maybe, you know, he, he just was waiting for something? But I also noticed that it says that Jesus saw them struggling. Now let that sink in for just a second. Remember what I just said. They are three and a half miles out in a storm at the darkest part of the night. And yet Jesus saw them struggling. Now I don't know exactly why Jesus would wait until the middle of the night. But I know that in the middle of the night, he still saw them struggling. And maybe that's, that's where you're at. You feel like you're in the middle of the night, in the middle of a storm, in the deepest part of the lake, and you really don't know what's next. But we read this text and we need to remember, 
Jesus can still see us in the midst of our struggle and he hasn't forgotten about us. It may seem like he's waiting until it's too late, but, but we need to understand that he is in control and he does know what he's doing. We may not always understand it and his goal may not be the same as our goal and that might be where the problem is. But in the midst of this, I want you to hear this, that Jesus sees you wherever you are, no matter how far away you may feel from him. And no matter how windy it is, no matter how bad the storm is, no matter how deep the water is, you need to know that he is seeing you and he is not going to let you go. He is not going to forsake you. But then that kind of leads me to the second question because it says that the disciples, when Jesus sees them struggling, so what does he do? He walks on the water out to them. But it says they didn't recognize him. And so here's my second question. Why in the world did the disciples not recognize Jesus? It's not like there was a crowd of people walking on the water and they couldn't figure out which one he was. Okay, it was just one individual walking at them. And they were like, huh, who's that? I mean, who did they think it was going to be? At this point, I mean, come on, there's someone walking to them and they just saw Jesus feed 5,000, well, 20,000 people, 5,000 men, plus all the women and children. So 15 to 20,000 people with just a tiny little bit and it shocked them, but apparently it did. They didn't recognize him. But I mean, let's give him a little bit of slack here, right? It was the middle of the night, the darkest part of the night, there was a storm of some kind. So it's raining, there's wind, the waves were kicking up. They are struggling in the boat to get to the other shore. They're a little distracted. And then all of a sudden, out of the corner of their eye, they see something walking toward them on the water. And I gotta wonder, I mean, I'm, I'm just playing a little with the text here, but you gotta think about this. If it's really that, that many waves, well, how is Jesus walking? I mean, was he like jumping from wave top to wave top? Would he get to one and just slide down the other one? You know, like, I mean, how was he walking? I can't even imagine what it was, but you got to imagine the disciples see this and they, they're scared because this is completely out of context of the way they would have normally seen a person approaching them. Okay, this, this did not have a synapse in their brain that connected with, oh, this would normally happen. This was all new. And so I guess I can give them a little slack here. Why they didn't recognize it was Jesus. Yeah, have you ever, uh, you ever seen someone and you know you should know them, but they're not in the context that you normally see them in? And you're just looking at them going, I should know them, but I have no idea who they are. The face looks familiar. I mean, this happens to me a lot. Maybe it's a, it's, it's a, a, a waitress or a waiter at a restaurant that you just go to a lot. Uh, you know, or, or maybe, it's, you know, maybe it's, it's someone at church that you only see within this context. And then all of a sudden one day, you know, you're at Walmart and you see them walking at you in their sweats and a sweatshirt. And you're like, I should know them, but I can't recognize them because they're not in the same context that your brain has associated with that face. And so you're trying to figure out who is this person? And that's normal. That, that's completely normal. And so seeing Jesus walking on the water in the middle of the night in the midst of a storm, I can see why it'd be hard to recognize him. 
And yet, once they did recognize him, they were excited to welcome him into the boat. They wanted him to come in. You know, I wonder, this happened to me, if there are times that maybe we, we are walking around and Jesus shows up and we don't recognize him because it's not the context in which we think Jesus should show up. We're walking around and, and, and we, we, Jesus shows up, but we miss it because we can't imagine him showing up like that. Even though we wanted him to show up, we look and we're like, that's, that's not how he should show up. So there's no way he could be that, that customer who came in out of nowhere that I wasn't expecting him to show up like that. That person in need, that person on the street, that, that grumpy cashier that I had to interact with. Wait a minute, that was Jesus working with me? I don't like that. That's not the way I want to interact because I have to work at this now. I, I have to... I have to figure stuff out. I can't just, you know, he doesn't just walk in with his little magic wand and make everything better. It's sometimes he comes at us and challenges us in ways that we're not expecting. And it's hard. And I, I just wonder how many times that as Jesus approaches us, it, it, once we begin to recognize that this is Jesus that we're interacting with, even if it's just him working through someone else, that it startles us and it scares us. Because we're just not used to that. And, and so we have to ask ourselves, what, what are we doing with that? Am I so caught up in the storm, right? In, in the winds around me and in, in the stuff going on around me that I've lost sight of Jesus. I'm not ready to see Jesus, right? H- have we reached a point that we get so caught up in the worries of this life, in the stuff going on, that we look around and, and Jesus shows up, but we're not ready for it because we're so distracted. And so my challenge for you is to begin, begin recognizing where Jesus may be, even if it's in a place you aren't expecting him to be. Be open to where he might come in. And that leads me to my third question. Why were the disciples afraid? And I'm asking that because it's interesting when you read the text from all the different gospels, it never says that they were afraid of the storm. Right? The winds, the waves, that didn't bother them. They weren't scared until they saw Jesus walking at them. I mean, think about that for a minute. It can be a little scary encountering Jesus. And that's okay. But the question is, what are you going to do with it? When, when, he, when he comes to us in the midst of our troubles, in the midst of our struggles, are we willing to say, no, that, that is Christ coming, and, and I, I want to listen. I want to engage with what he's calling me to do. Even though it's a little scary, it's going to be hard, may not be the easiest thing in the world. He may not even make everything all better and wonderful and hunky-dory. But, but I'm going to, even though I'm scared, I'm going to reach out. I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look to him and call to him. You know, if, if you are in the midst of that being a little afraid, 
it's, it's really time. The first thing we've got to do is start being honest about why we're afraid. Well, why are we scared? I mean, if, if the disciples were scared of Jesus approaching them, we want to ask why. Well, one, they didn't recognize who he was. And so oftentimes we can be afraid because we don't recognize that it's Jesus working in our lives. And so sometimes we need to put ourselves in a position to have others help speak that into us. Say, no, 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 listen, that is Jesus working. I can see it because I'm not stuck in the middle of the storm. And so I can, I can give you a little guidance here. We need a, a community of people that will speak truth into our lives, that, that will hold us accountable, that will push us, that will challenge us, that will comfort us when, when it's really hard, that, that will build us up when we're feeling really down. That's what the church is all about. It's about being in a position where other people can help you understand that this is Jesus calling. This is Jesus moving in your life. Don't be afraid. It'll be okay. I, I want you to hear... Jesus' words in the midst of whatever storm you may feel like you're in right now. What did he say to the disciples? He said, I'm here. Don't be afraid. That, that's it. That's all he said. And, and the Greek translation actually could also, because it's the, the Greek words there, ego eme. And it could be translated, the I am is here. Don't be afraid. And that's a reference back to Exodus where Moses asked God, well, what name shall I tell the Israelites is, is your name? And God says, tell them the I am is here. And Jesus repeats that to his disciples and says, the I am is here. Don't be afraid. Will you trust that the I am is with you? He sees you even though you feel like you are in the darkest part of the storm at the deepest part of the lake. Because we said this a while ago, but everybody wants a miracle, but nobody wants to be in a position to need a miracle. And it's in the deepest part of the lake that a lot of the miracles happen, which can be the scariest part. But are you willing to trust him? That he does see you. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. We just want to finish with one song. Um, I'm going to pray. And you can just remain seated and just listen. And, and in the midst of this song, I just want you to ask yourself, what, what is it that I'm, I'm experiencing now that I'm I'm feeling fear in the midst of it. And am I willing to let Jesus show up? And will I trust him when he says, I'm here? Don't be afraid. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you do love us. And, and God, I know, I know there are people sitting here today that are saying, I need a miracle. The, the, the waves are, are strong, the wind is strong, the, uh, the, the rain is tough, I'm in the deepest part, in the darkest of the night, and I'm scared, and I don't know what to do. And so God, I, I just, I know there are people saying, I, I need a miracle, so God, I pray this morning that as we face that 
issue, as we struggle through that fear that you would show up. And, and it may be in a miraculous way. It may be in a scary way. It may be in a simple way. But God, I pray that you would give us the eyes to see, the wisdom to understand you are showing up. We give you the glory for all of it. And now, God, as we just reflect for a moment, I pray that each person here, that you would speak into their life, into their heart, comfort. And you would show them that you see them and you're not going to leave them alone. May they experience that still small voice this morning. In Jesus' name.